up on a couple. Uh, first of all, um, last week we prayed for one of our um, young people, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Medina. He's going on the Mexico mission trip here, I think pretty soon in August. And we prayed for him last week, particularly because he, has, he had a couple um, uh, snags in the plan in the sense of he had a couple barriers for him to get out of the country. Namely, he needed permission from his father to, to be able to leave the country. And they were trying to track that down and hadn't heard. And uh, so this week, he did, he, uh, they heard back, and his father gave him full and complete permission to travel almost anywhere in the world. And so, so it's, it's awesome to be able to send him out. Also, uh, we heard a lot of testimonies from, yeah, that, uh, from stuff happening in Kainos, our student ministry, and how Will is equipping uh, the students and taking them out to the mall and just other places and teaching them to just ask the Lord, all right, God, who here do you want me to minister to? And what do you want to do here? How can we show your goodness and your power in this place? And, and uh, just, you know, teaching them to live the normal Christian life. How many of you know the power of God was not meant for church services, but meant for all of life? <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, the Lord loves it when we catch that vision. And uh, so it was cool after sharing those stories, Another testimony came through this week. Judah, you want to come up wherever you are, Judah? Everybody welcome Judah to come up uh, to the stage here today. Uh, he, he, uh, he had a little adventure of his own. Why don't you share um, with these guys about yeah. it? Yeah, so um, I think it was this Tuesday. I was at the park reading, and I met a traveling musician, a homeless pastor, and a homeless man who had a very messed up foot. It sounds like the beginning of a good joke. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, and so we're just talking, and this homeless guy says, well, I was riding my bike, and I fell off my bike, and I think I broke my foot. And so we all prayed for this guy, and his foot literally mended itself as we watched, and it healed itself. And he got up, and he walked off, and he rode his bike home. <laughs> So then you called Will. And then 20 minutes later, I call Will. And I'm on. I'm just like, Will, holy crap, holy crap. I just, I just prayed for a guy, and he's okay. And it's crazy. And oh, my gosh. And it was, it was pretty cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. So cool. Isn't it fun when you get to experience the power of God for yourself? I mean, it's, sometimes, it's good to hear other people's stories. The, you know, the idea of the power of God is cool, but when it actually works, you know, that's a whole different thing. Anyways, super cool. Uh, last Sunday night was awesome, too, for those of you who were to make it at the, to the Resound. One night, I mean, it was just a beautiful time of worship. Nick Kofal just brought a killer word about the goodness of God and just kind of settling the place of God's goodness in our hearts. And it was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, uh, at, at the end of the night, um, you know, we did some ministry. We prayed for a lot of people that night. And uh, we got some texts back from different people, friends. I got a, a text or an email from a guy in South Denver who came up for the night. And he said, you guys don't know what this night meant for me. He said, I just finalized my divorce this weekend or this, this last Monday. And he said something about coming into the place. He said, I wasn't even in the room yet. And I felt God pushing against my chest. And he said, I came in and there's something that, that ministered to me so deeply in the night. So thank you for, for hosting that environment, for doing what you do. And then we got another text from um, uh, a youth pastor that brought a whole bunch of uh, kids to the, to the worship night. Uh, one of our friends, Kevin Kelly, he, uh, he brought a girl named Jubilee who apparently doesn't know the Lord, and he got a text from her saying, said, hey, thanks for inviting me tonight. Didn't really know what was going on, but 
I could tell that it was the start of something very beautiful in my relationship with God. That's cool, huh? I love those stories from people like, yeah, that was, that was pretty weird, but I really connected with that, you know? I love those stories. So thank you, Jesus, for the way you meet us and the way you minister your love through us, God. We just pray for more stories in this place. We are your people, Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. All right. So apparently I have 22 minutes to give you a 45-minute sermon. So um, we better get moving. You can open your Bibles. uh, John 15. We'll start there. Um, So here's what I'm going to do. I want to continue on a series that was started back in June. And uh, I've been kind of skipping in and out of it, and it's a series called Signs of Life. And the big idea about this series and this kind of, this whole theme and conversation is about partnering with God on our spiritual growth. Um, God creates us to flourish, to bear fruit, to develop strength that expresses itself in every season, okay? Psalm 1 uh, talks about the righteous man. And in verse 3, he says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. And there is a reality of being in Christ as God is growing us up. He's very intentional about growing us up, and he's about bringing us to life. And so what we're talking about is our ability to recognize, and what, what are the indicators, what are the signs of life, what are the signs of healthy, growing, maturing, flourishing, fruitful things? How many of you know that God's desire for each of us is that we live lives that are fruitful, that are good for the world? He is growing you up to be unbelievably tasty and delicious for the world, to show off his goodness to everyone you meet. And he is after that in your life, and he will not relent. He will not settle for, for, for adolescence and immaturity. Now, when we come into that, he takes us through process. He takes us through things. There's, God welcomes all of us into the family no matter what stage we're at. But at that place we come in, he is, he is relentless about growing us up. And so we're looking kind of at the stages of that. And just like a seed is planted into the dirt, a seed can only flourish if it's planted in the right environment. And if you were around, how many of you around for any of the uh, signs of life talks before? Okay, the rest of you, I'm, I'm angry at you, but you're forgiven. Uh, I'm just joking. Um, so the, the, the first talk of the series was about how a seed does not grow based on its best effort. A seed can only grow based on its environment. When it even comes to spiritual growth, environment trumps effort every time. And in the sense of when you are planted in the environment, namely soil, the soil of Jesus, watered with the Holy Spirit, illuminated with the light of the Father, there's something inside of you that knows what to do in that environment. And once that, once that seed cracks open, there's things that happen. The first stage of growth, as we saw several weeks ago, is not to grow up, but it's actually to grow down. A seed knows that the first thing it must do is to send roots off into the soil. And we know that even with us, the first step of our growth, of our maturing process, is the Lord roots us in himself. And can we just be clear again today? um, We are not rooted in a tradition. We are not rooted in the name of vine life. We are not rooted in the name of a charismatic church or our particular stream. We're not rooted in a trend or a fad. We're not even rooted in the idea of Jesus. We're rooted in the person of Jesus. That is our root system. 
And that is the only root system that will not fail you. Every other root system you will find the end of. Every other root system produces other types of fruit. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being rooted in the one and the person. And that's not going to change. And so everything in our life has to find its root system in him. And so today I just want to talk about the natural progression. After that seed finds its root, something happens where those roots know that they need to come together to push through the soil. And if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen a diagram of a tree, you see the expanse of branches above and you see the, the expanse of roots below. And they all seem to kind of coalesce in the middle in this place called the trunk. And I was talking to somebody in, in between the service, and they were talking about the reason that, that, that the, the roots come together into one. There's, there's a reason the roots don't just shoot off into their own thing. The roots all come together because there's a certain synergy, there's a certain force, there's a certain momentum needed to push through the dirt. And so what happens is all the nutrients, everything that the, the roots are feeding off of, they all just kind of come together and then they punch through the soil and what develops into a trunk. And so if we're rooted in Jesus, I would like to propose today that as we are rooted in Christ and grow up from there, we grow up into the trunk of the family of God, the body of Christ, the people of Christ. Now, you turn to John 15. Um, Jesus, as he's talking about the vine and the branches, and this is part of the reason we're doing this series as well, we are called vine life, and there's an intentionality behind that. And I believe God wants to invite us back into that intentionality, that we are invited to connect with him, to abide, to be one, to stay remaining in him. Again, not just to feel good, but in the end, to have a life of fruitfulness. And this is what John 15 is all about. I would encourage you to continue to read John 15 in your time. Ask the Lord what he's saying to you um, for yourself and for our community. But in John fifteen five, he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's skip down to verse 9. He says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Well, how do we do that, Jesus? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then he sums it all up in verse 17 to kind of close out this section. He says, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. So there's this place of abiding, there's this, there's this place of being connected to him that I believe grows us up into the, the trunk, the strength, the solidarity, the oneness from which all the branches will then make their exploits. And, and we will talk about branches. We're going to talk about unique expression. We're going to talk about fruitfulness in coming weeks. But today we have to settle the fact that when we are saved into the kingdom, when God rescues us, he doesn't save us into a vacuum. He doesn't just save us into a personal relationship. He saves us into a family, which is not something we think about a whole lot because in our culture, we emphasize a lot of, you know, salvation is about you and you becoming right with God and your personal walk and your personal this and that. And you talk to God, you relate to God, you grow in this. And that's all true. But we have to remember that the story of Scripture, the whole story of the Bible from beginning to end is not just about individuals meeting with God. It's about God creating for himself a people for himself. And who we are together, 
is just as important as who we are as in individuals. Are you guys with me here today? Some of you need to get, some of you need to get wound up right now, all right? I need you to shout back at me. Sometimes you just need a good Pentecostal shout down, all right? Okay, see, that didn't count because I told you to do that, all right? So wait till I say something else good and then just preach back at me, all right? So Jesus, he doesn't just save us to himself. He gently and lovingly places us into his family. First Peter 2 says this. <laughs> Extra credit over here. You get a free donut after church. All right. First Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Listen, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How good it is to be the people of God. We didn't know how to do that before the gospel. <laughs> and you've got you to understand that the miracle of the gospel is not that just we are reconciled to God, it's that we are reconciled to each other. Now look around the room right now. That's a miracle. Have you seen each other? We, I mean, I, I can't think, I mean, you look around the room, we are all so different. That's the thing about community. You know what makes community really difficult? It's people, right? I always joke, like, ministry would be so much easier if it weren't for people, right? It'd be so much easier to change the world if I didn't have to talk to anybody, right? <laughs> yeah, don't tweet that out. Um, let's just forget I said that. Stop the recording. Okay, um, so my friend Jonathan Helser, which you guys know, he's all of our friend. He just said this this last week. The more heaven comes to earth, the more earth looks like family. The more heaven comes to earth, we sing and pray that all the time. But we have to understand the reality of heaven is the relationship of, of the Godhead. The Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect relationship. And they invite us into this sweet dance and this sweet song where we just get to relate to each other. And this is why Jesus prays, John 17. I'm kind of skipping around. I'm going quick here, right? John 17, Jesus prays, all right? Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading through the Gospels, anytime Jesus prays, like, I'm listening, right? It's good to know what Jesus prays for. I mean, we have praise. We're sending up prayers all the time, like, Jesus, do this, this, and this, uh, it's, it's good to pay attention to what he prays for. So maybe, maybe it's possible to be an answer to Jesus' prayer sometime too, yeah? So here's what he prays for in John 17, verse 21. He prays that they may, be, may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they, meaning us, also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. Listen. So that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. Now, if you have your Bibles open, or whatever, your iPhone, I want you to highlight that phrase, so that the world may know. So part of... Jesus' prayer is for us to understand the love of the Father. What Jesus 
was how he was relating to the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he says, I, I want you guys to understand that God helped them understand this so that they know that they're in me, and they're, they're in us, but then also that they are in each other. There's somehow, there's a, there's a bond of love around here. And what I love about the way this ends is that he says that they may be perfectly one. Not just so we high-five each other and, and walk away and have a great day, but so that the world may know. Which, which means what? Which means that we have to settle the fact that when we talk about becoming people of power, there's a lot of things that can enter that conversation. We talked about that last week. You know, we share stories about people praying for each other. We share stories about people using gifts. We share stories about people having encounters with God. That's awesome. But you know what's really powerful? Is when the people of God love each other really well. You know that our unity together, listen, our unity together speaks louder than our uniqueness apart. I'm going to say that again. Our unity together speaks louder than our uniqueness apart. Now, some of you need to hear that because some of us think the power is when, when each of us find our own unique calling destiny. Now, that is powerful, and we're going to talk about that. But what Jesus is saying here is the message that goes out, the message that speaks of God's goodness and love isn't when we as individuals are displaying that, but it's in the way that we love each other so that the world may know his love. Are you guys here? And this is very important that we get this. If the trunk of the tree is the strength and the solidarity and the oneness of the family of God just, and just bear-hugging it out, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting go of you. Don't you dare let go of me. If that's what we're talking about, if the, if the trunk of the tree, like Jesus is saying, is, that is the message of power that goes out. That's how the world knows that you're mine. Then we have to understand that the adversary, the enemy of our souls knows that if he, if he cannot keep us from being rooted in Jesus, he's going to sure as heck try to keep us of growing into the trunk of family. He will work night and day to separate you and to divide you and isolate you and whisper thoughts of discouragement and shame and frustration. And he'll throw seeds out. He says, listen, I, can, I know where to stunt them in this place. And you have to know, do not be unaware of the schemes of the enemy. He's defeated, but he also knows how to lob these fiery darts And he knows if there's one place that the church exists to teach the world a little something about the love and goodness of God, it's in the unity of the saints. It's in the bond of love that we show. And so when Jesus talks about remaining in him, he's also talking about remaining, you know, remaining in relationship with each other. This is my command that you love one another. And I think it sounds so simple, but one of the first things that we have to, we have to settle, one of the first things that we have to get, one of the first ways we grow in this whole place is just the simple act of staying, of remaining, of staying in the family of God. I uh, went to Ireland several years back. Back in 2001, we did a mission trip there, and it was, uh, yeah, there we go, somebody from Ireland. Top of the morning. All right, so we went to Ireland, and we were up in the Belfast region, and we were working with a Presbyterian church, and um, it was a very young church. It was, it was so young, it was only 400 years old, right? Uh, which blew me away. So, you know, it's, 
400 years old, and so they had like every person who's ever like at the church, like buried in the front yard. I mean, their whole front lawn was a cemetery. It wasn't like the best, like, you know, first impression coming in. But you could tell there was a history, all right? There's a legacy happening here. I remember talking to one of our escorts that was taking us around that week. His name is Donald. And he was just talking about the dynamic there about walking through conflict in the church because we talked about people leave churches. He's like, people don't leave. Ch-. He's like, this isn't America. He said, people just leave churches. He's like, my father went to the church. His father, the, our whole legacy, our whole bloodline was a part of this fellowship. We don't just get up and leave. We, we work through conflict. We have to sort things out. We have to like grow in maturity. And I had a kind of a wake-up call there. Uh, about the reality that most of us live in, in in the states, and when it looks when we look at the relationships that we come in and out of, and the fellowships we come in and out of, and the churches we come in and out of, let me let me just tell you this. Here's here's what I here's what I believe. Many Christians are stuck in spiritual adolescence because we leave relationships before our love has a chance to mature. I'll say it again. Many Christians are stuck in spiritual adolescence because we leave relationships and fellowships before our love even has the chance to mature. Do you guys know many of us haven't experienced the depth and the true vibrancy of the family, of, of, the, of biblical community, of being devoted to one another? We haven't experienced that because a lot of us have a hard time staying in one place long enough for that to happen. Do you know that love only has a chance to grow once it's challenged? So when love is challenged, that's not our exit point, that's our starting point. <laughs> that's when everything just began. That's when community just got real. When everything wars and storms against that, that's how you know we're, we're about to go to some places here. And one of the things I think we have to understand is when it comes to relationships, and this is really good, when it comes to relationships, all of your relationships have to be reinvented about every three to five years, okay? That means your spouse, your parents, your kids, your friends, your church community, all relationships have to be reestablished. Why? Because we're all changing, okay? We're all changing as people. We're all growing as people. Now, I don't know why anybody's amening that. Um, here's one of the most profound things I've ever heard about marriage, okay? Is over the course of your life, you're actually going to be married to about five to seven different people. When you're married to that one person, you're actually going to be married to about five to seven different people, meaning that your spouse will change about every five to seven years. Now, here's why that matters. Because... When I, when I heard this, it struck a chord because I always had this thought that the day I said I do to my wife, that we're just going to be who we are on that day, but for the rest of our lives. Like, if you could just not change, I will commit to you for the rest of your life, right? But what we learn, though, is that we're constantly changing, that we're constantly growing into different people. And so I wonder if the marriage relationship... And the covenant of marriage, it doesn't derive its power from just committing to that one version of a person. Marriage is saying, listen, I'm committing to you today, but I'm going to commit to every version of who you will become in the future. This is huge because in our culture, how many of you heard this? Probably all of us, about you know, people 10 years into marriage, 20 years in, whatever. They say, yeah, it's been really hard. They're just not the same person as the day that I married them. Well, what did you expect? <laughs> you wanted them to stay the same? 
In fact, if, if, if they had the choice now, they probably wouldn't have gone back and married the version of you when you were married. And so, so marriage isn't, isn't just I do, and I hope that we don't change. I hope we figure this out until we, until, we, until we end our lives together. No, marriage is waking up every day saying, I do to whatever version of you are today. The power of covenant is a commitment to who we are and who we're becoming in our good and our bad. Don't you know that God loved you unconditionally? That God loved the version of you when you were still his enemy? It says in Romans 5.10. When you were still an enemy of God, he reconciled you to himself. He said, whatever version you are, I'm going to love you in that place, and we're going to love each other through this. Now, here's why I think this matters for a lot of us, is because some of you, you're in relationships that need redefining, because all relationships need redefining. Some of you have even part of, been a part of the Vine Life community for years, you know, or, or any church community, you've had this experience before. Maybe this is why you're at Vine Life, because your last church was kind of like this or whatever. You have to understand that your relationships, the places that you're serving, the places that you're connected, it's not always going to be the same. It's not always going to feel the same. It's not always going to be equally exciting or equally disappointing. It's always going to have this ebb and a flow. But what it takes, the covenant, the power of relationship, the bond of unity, isn't just loving each other according to our preferences. It's loving each other through the thick and thin, through the versions of what we're becoming, saying, listen, I am committed to you, not just when you're making me happy, not just when I I like the version of who you are, but I'm committed to you because I've been given to you by God. And so, so independence and freedom are very powerful. We, we, we heard it today already. We celebrate the fact that we're free people. We do whatever we want in America. We do that. And I, I do think, I do believe that independence and freedom are so powerful. But you know what's even more powerful? Is when we use our independence to actually press deeper into relationship with the people that frustrate us and wound us. Now, when we separate ourselves from a relationship with certain people, it's understandable, but it's just not powerful. Like, I, I hear those stories all the time. Yeah, I just can't spend time. Okay, I get it. You know, yeah, that, that is difficult. I, I get that. But that's not, there's no power in that. It's understandable. I get it. It's just not powerful. You know, the power of God isn't displayed when you found a church that meets all your preferences. The power of God is displayed when the people of God love each other beyond preferences. What happens when, you're, when you actually start to prefer each other? When my preference is you. Rather than the, the, the speaker and the music and the programs and the ministries and the, the things and the this and the that. The Lord has this funny way of leading us to deeper dependence on each other. Not like a, not a, not a unhealthy codependence necessarily, but an interdependence. And he's, this is what the Word of God says in Romans 12, verse 3. The only, this is the message version, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. 
The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. So we get our own individual meetings only because we're connected to a body. We're connected to each other and ultimately to the head of Jesus Christ. So if my value for me surpasses my value for we, that's where, that's where problems start coming in. We have to have a love for the family. And arguably, there is no fruit, I mean, there's no fruitfulness apart from that. This is God's plan for our growth. This is God's plan for our maturity. He lovingly places us into family. And I think it's kind of the joke of the cosmos that he does this to each other. Again, you look around the room like, oh my gosh, do I have to do this? Like, have you ever been at a family gathering? You're like, wow, like, I'm related to these people type of thing. <laughs> the, f- the funny thing about God is that when we pray to him, when we have a need, he has this funny way, oh, you need this? Okay, let me go give this to you instead. <laughs> So that way, if you want this, you're going to have to go honor that person over there. He does that. And if you're not prepared to be rooted and connected in family, some of you will never get the breakthrough that you've been asking God for. Because he has a funny way of giving that to the people around you. Because if we, if we always related to God directly, then we'd become totally independent. And so he has a funny way of saying, <laughs> I'm going to hide this in them, I'm going to hide this in them, I'm going to deposit this over there. And you're going to realize that you don't have what you need right now. I have it, and I've given it to them, and I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to love each other and pull that goodness out of each other, and through that bond of love, it's going to send a message to the world about how powerful I am. That's a type of relationship the world has never seen. Now, when I talk about relationships... And the unity, I'm not talking about no conflict. Just hear me out here. Some of you think, oh, just, just brush everything. No, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, I'll, 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 I will make this caveat. Some of you need to hear this. Anytime you talk about unity, we have to say this because it doesn't get said enough. If you are in an abusive, emotionally, physically, mentally, if you are in an unhealthy relationship, th- there are reasons that you need to get out of that relationship, okay? So hear me on that. Don't mistake what I'm saying. Um, what was I saying? I was going to say something really good. Okay, stop talking. I can't hear myself. Okay, conflict. Oh, yeah, conflict. That's it. That's good. Yeah, we love conflict. Let's talk about that. So, so conflict, here, here's the deal. When it comes to um, we talk a lot, even at Vine Life, the, re- the way we grow in family and we, we hold this value up is we've had, we, we've talked about this before, we have to create a culture of honor. And all that, that, that doesn't mean we just, we're trying to like each other. That's not what that means. It means that we're honoring Christ in each other. What that doesn't mean is that there's no conflict, okay? In fact, sometimes it means there's more conflict because we're calling each other into the fullness of what God's created them for. In fact, I, I, I don't, I, in fact, I think, I would even go so, so, so far as to say, I think we need more conflict if it's done really well. Some of you need to have conversations with each other in the spirit of love, and you need to just lovingly duke it out with each other. And the relationships that I've done that with recently, we're so much better for it. We're stronger together. The embrace between us is there. And I start to realize, wow, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the power to, to be who we're becoming, to call each other into that, and embrace each other on the journey. That is the trunk 
That is, that is the solidarity, that is the strength, that is God's process for us. And it's the weak one, it's when we're immature, that we run from that. God's invitation is like, listen, don't run from conflict, run towards it. Run towards deeper relationship and see what happens. Okay. So it's, it's, part of, it's part of God's growth plan for us. I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I'm kind of out of time here, but here, here's what I do know. When we pray to the Lord for fruit to develop in our lives, when we pray that God makes us loving people, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, we'll talk about this in the coming weeks. We, we know in Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When we start praying for those things, you don't just get the fruit, you get an opportunity to develop the fruit. And so that means when we're praying for unity, he's going to place us in some gnarly situations with each other. And some stuff is going to surface. And the stuff that we've wanted to say to that person, he's going to provide an opportunity for us to say in a loving way, not that we just start vomiting all over each other and start, you know, just, we, we, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying when the service is over, go and just unload on somebody. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a spirit about us where if I'm committed to you and you're committed to me, we're committed to each other on different levels within the body. It's going to provide a way for us to work through some things that are very important to us as a body. And I'm determined that we will see the church of Jesus Christ rise to its call to display these types of relationships on this earth. We will see the power and the goodness of God work itself out in the family of God to display his glory above and beyond everything else. The world has never seen that type of relationship outside of the church. And we have so much more to go. God, do you guys catch the vision? God has invited us into so much more there. And so let me pray for us today. If you would just close your eyes around the room. I I do know this. In a room this size, there's a lot of things that are bubbling and surfacing in each one of us. And some of you have very specific scenarios and situations and names and even faces that have come to mind right now. You have people that have misunderstood you. There's people that have frustrated you. There's there's things that have happened where you've been left just a little vulnerable and wounded. And the Lord, I I believe, wants to meet each of us in those places because the Lord has a desire for not just who we are as individuals, but who we are together. Some of you in this place, I, I, I think what's happening today, some of you are realizing that there's people or situations that you need to forgive to find freedom and wholeness and maturity. Part of the growth process, part of the solidarity of this chunk is learning to forgive some people and releasing them of the debt they owe you. Because even if they wanted to pay you back, some of them they couldn't. 
So in the power of Christ, why don't you forgive them? Experience freedom in that place. And no, I don't know what you walked through. I don't know how that was for you. I don't know how, how bad, how many tears you cried over that situation or those things. But I do know this, there is another side to that. And there is, that is not the end of your journey. And the Lord has so much desire for your freedom and for your joy, that your, that your joy may be full. Some of you, some of us have realized that maybe this is a right response, that there's people around us that we've kind of disregarded. Not that we can be friends with everybody, not that we can draw near to everybody, but there's certain people in your life that you separated yourself from because it was just easier. And God is calling you out of adolescence into maturity. And he's calling you to go back and to restore and to reconcile and to ask for forgiveness in those places. And so the right response right now is, God, whatever you're doing in our hearts, however you want to grow us up into the the strength of a trunk in this moment, Jesus, we just pray that you have your way here, that you reveal to each heart, you reveal to each one how we can better resemble the church that you died for and the people that you purchased. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray together. Amen.